I'm your host, Sean Robinson. And today we have a very, I'm talking about a very special guest, my guy, big bro, one of the kindest guys that I know, most caring guy I know, Chris Slade. What up, big bro? How are you? What's going on, Sean Rob, man? Great being on your show. Good to see you um, and link up with you again, man. I'm doing great. It's always good to see you, man. You, you look good. And, you know, as, as a former athlete and now coach, you know the importance of warming up and stretching, right? Oh, yeah. I got a couple warm-up questions for you. You ready? Shoot. First one. If you're going to listen to one musical artist for 30 days straight, who are you selecting? All I need is all I need is one. Prince. Prince. Yeah, absolutely. I do that now. <laughs> you do that now. So that's that's an easy one for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go, I go. I might do that now sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, um, I became a big Prince fan. I still am. Um, and I think I've seen him in concert probably three or four times. And that's a lot for me because I don't, you know, spend money going to concerts in time. But um, musical genius, artist, concerts were off the chain. The last time I saw him was in Madison Square Garden. Um, and I've never seen a guy, you know, rest his soul that small that could perform for three or four straight hours and not, without sitting down. Unbelievable, man. He was, wow. uh, to me, man, he was a goat of, of uh, pop music. Yeah, it's always that debate, Prince versus Michael. I'm a Michael guy, but I, I appreciate Prince. I mean, a musical genius. And, yeah. and I feel like I revisited his work after he passed. And it, I mean, still blown away. And in yeah. the classic Purple Rain, I can watch that to this day. And uh -huh. um, what's it, the time? It was like, let's get crazy. Let's get, I uh -huh. forgot exactly how they did it. The time, Apollonia. Yeah. Day in the Times. Yeah, I mean, all his, you know, backup singers and, Dancers, I mean, he, you know, I, his performances, like I said, man, just always blew me away. And his music, you know, there's a lot of musical artists out there that their music and their style never goes out. His music to me is timeless. I mean, my, you know, my, our kids will be listening to Prince one day and it'll just sound like he just made his music. I mean, you can turn the music, turn the radio on any time or whatever you have, um, uh, you know, XM radio, whatever you might choose, you'll listen to pleasure. You're gonna get a Prince song from the '80s, the '90s, you know, early 2000s, up until the day he died, man. It's just, it's timeless. It's, it really is timeless. It's pretty remarkable. You know, fast, slow. I mean, you know, rock, a little bit of rap. I mean, just whatever, whatever style you want. Like you say, he was a musical genius. He was, he was my guy. And so, so you mentioned um, children. You have two beautiful children. I got another warm-up question for you. Would you rather be Batman or Superman? Be Batman or Superman? Uh, I'd rather be Batman. Okay, why are you going with Batman? I think I'd rather be Batman because he can leap over tall. Well, I think Superman can leap over buildings too. I like Batman is bigger and he looks okay. like he got more muscle and he's <laughs> more a guy's guy. I don't, I don't Superman stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't know about jumping in the telephone booths and changing clothes and all that. I like Batman, man, because he was just always on point. Um, a real guy's guy, um, save the world, save the universe. Uh, I like his costume too. And 
<laughs> dig yeah. that. And so, so basically, he's built like you. They basically model Batman after you. I get it. I get yeah, it. In your man. day, definitely. In your yeah. day, definitely. Yeah. He's a man's man. I love Batman. I ain't into the uh, jumping in and out of telephone booths, man. Batman was like, here I am. I ain't going to do the Clark Kent stuff. Thanks, Cole. <laughs> Favorite TV show of all time. To this day, you can watch it. Uh, probably, no, that's not a TV show. Probably, honestly, probably favorite TV show. Either, probably, probably Good Times. Good Times. Yeah, Good Times with Sanford and Son, one of the two, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I know you have no problem making decisions. Which one are you going with? Sanford and Son or a good time? Oh, we could debate the we could debate the time no, based on the, the, um, the song. Sanford and Son, because Red Fox. Sanford and Son. Oh yeah, Red Fox. <laughs> Fred, he, he took he took him over the hump. He, he, he the decision is close. I mean, it's a close vote, but I mean, but the junk man Fred, he took him over. To me, I, I got to go with um, Sanford and Son. Yeah, and it's a lot of good But I mean, I can still watch that one now. If it comes on, I'm gonna catch the late night show. Always funny. How about, with Lamont. How about that? Yeah. Fred and Lamont. Fred and Lamont. Yeah. So take us back. Hometown. Where are you from? Early Chris Lake. Uh, you know, born and raised in down in Yorktown, Virginia. Um, born in, you know, uh, with the, you know, all my childhood school was there. Schooling was there, you know, K through six. Tab Elementary, seventh and eighth, Tab Intermediate School, which is now people call middle school, junior high, whatever you intermediate, whatever you where you're from, but we just called it intermediate in down in Virginia, where I was from. And then I went to Tab High, man. So all my my three schools were within like three miles from each other. Like literally they they were in a big triangle, Tab Elementary, Tab High, Tab Middle. So we all grew up to, all our all our guys grew up together. Um, you know, went to high school and junior high elementary down there in Virginia, and then graduated from high school and and uh June of 89 and went up to University of Virginia. Um, so I'm, I'm going to pause there. So we're going to talk about your football journey, but what other sports did you play growing up? Basketball and baseball and ran track. Yeah, so I did four and I didn't do baseball and softball. I'm sorry, I didn't do baseball and track at the same time because they were both conflicting spring sports. But I did do uh, baseball one year, then I did track towards the end of my high school career because I just felt like that would help me better for football. But then basketball was a was a year-round thing. I mean, I did the AAU. I started for four years. I mean, basketball. I was really serious about basketball. wasn't I wasn't as good in basketball as I was in football, but I was real serious about it. I I, I really enjoyed basketball. And so, so I know a little bit about your basketball career. I mean, I, I know you were like setting records, rebounding. So you played what? Power forward, center? What did you play? Center. Yeah, I played, I played center. center. Yeah. I mean, I was six five back then. That was tall for you know thirty years ago. But I mean, now six five is going to be a two guard. You know, <laughs> right sometimes yeah. one right yeah, exactly so back you know if i was i'd be like a you know now if i was coming out of high school now i'd be like a you know probably a small forward I and mean, i don't know if i would have lasted because now the game's changed so much everybody's you know getting up and down the court and things about scoring and offense so it probably wouldn't have been a good fit for me uh, in today's basketball world um but you know but i played in high school man it was you know get rebounds all the dirty work stick backs 50 50 balls um, and I, and I, I relished and re I love getting rebounds because it was, it's just something that was just the want to is the ball goes up, either you're going to get it or he going to get it, you know? And so it just, for me, it was always, 
very competitive. I, I love that aspect of it. He gonna get it, or I'm gonna get it. And most of the time, I got it. <laughs> Dig that that willpower. So, what athletes did you look up to growing up? Um, LT, Lawrence Taylor, Lawrence Taylor, um, Andre. You know, who's, who's a homeboy from from Williamsburg, Virginia. Andre so, Tippett. So I'm gonna pause there. So I don't know if we had this conversation, but I know LT now. So so okay. be playing golf here. He's an avid golfer. Uh, Dwayne Starks had me join one of the uh, this golf groups. He's part of it. And he actually always uh, gives me a hard time on my socks. You know me, bro. Like, I, I make some colorful choices from time to time. And so he always recognizes me by my socks. But uh, LT's a good dude, though. Real chill, real humble, real approachable. But, like, he was a, a, a man, a monster on that field, though. He's a, he's a, in my opinion, he's the greatest ever played football, period. Bar none, regardless wow. of position. Yeah, I think he's the best player to ever play football. You know, you know, I mean, and, um, regardless of position, I mean, because he revolutionized the game. He changed the game. Like, literally, he changed the game. He was the reason Joe Gibbs in the 80s put the two tight ends, the two tight end formation in. Um, you know, I didn't you know, know that. Yeah. I mean, if you go back and read history, like Joe Gibbs, back in those heyday games in the 80s, the reason why they start, you know, going to two tight end look is because of LT, because the tackles couldn't block them. So Gibbs started, you know, and they started chipping because of LT. Um, it's funny, I watched something on um, ESPN. They were talking about comparing him to Khalil Mack and, you know, and obviously Chris Carter and those guys, they shot that down real quick. But Chris Carter was right. saying, he said, when he played in Philly, he said, no, and when Buddy Ryan was his coach, he said, no matter what LT is, every single play, we're going to double that guy. No matter what, we're going to double that guy. Every single play, we're going to put two people on him. I played in the NFL for 10 years, man. I've never heard a coach one time game plan that much for one individual. Like, literally, we're going to double that guy every single play, no matter what. It was a pass, it was a run. And Chris Carter was talking about it. And to the point where, like, Jaworski would sometimes get up and he would say that Jaworski would go under the guard instead of line, instead of going under the center because he was looking for LT before the ball snapped. So he would line up under the guard and thinking he was the center, but he was, good. He was looking for LT. Dude, that's like, that don't happen to just anybody in the league. That's nobody, right, that's nobody is nobody's that more respected and that feared in the NFL because everybody's got their deal and they're good and they got their ego and even if they think the guy's that good, they're not going to admit it. But um, just he just changed the game completely. Slide protection, double teams, chips, two tight ends, the, the way they game plan, um, and that's and that's and that's to uh, that's all due respect to a lot of good players, man. But when you can change the entire offense because for one man in that league, dude, I mean, that's to me, that's that's incredible. So, that is incredible. And so take you back to football high school. We know you went to UVA, but how was the recruiting process for you? What other schools were you considering coming out of high school? Uh, my last, I took my five official visits. Well, actually, I took four, but my five schools were Notre Dame, Virginia, Ohio State, Alabama, and Michigan. So Heavy hitters. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I visited four out of the five. Um, but Who you I mean, leave out? Uh, Notre Dame. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew I would. Yeah, I, yeah. I knew, I knew Notre Dame. I, and at, at that point in time, of the recruiting process, I got just tired of taking the visits and the trips, you know. And so I just called Lou Holtz in time and just said, "Listen, I'm, you know, I'm good. You know, thanks for recruiting me. Good." But I went to Alabama, <laughs> went to Ohio State, went to Michigan, went to Virginia, went to all those visits. So. so how was your time at UVA being a student athlete? Um, you know, Sean, it, it was probably the best four years of my life. 
Um, just, you know, in terms of just, you know, as you know, you've been to college, you went to Pitt, you played college football on a very high level. And uh, it was awesome. Uh, Cause you know, the bond you have with the guys in college is usually you just don't ever break that bond. Cause you go in, you go to college with so many things in common. You know, most, most guys are broke, don't have a car, you know, just struggling, happy to get a scholarship, trying to get your per diem. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Just trying to make ends meet, trying to get your hustle on, you know? And so you go in to that world with 15, 20 guys and you're using your recruiting class. And so those guys, you automatically have a bond with because you got so many things in common, especially the kids who are on scholarship. Um, and so, and those are the guys that I'm best friends with, you know, to this day. Matter of fact, your boy Rodney came down here yesterday and, um, and I had my surgery and he came down just to like, make sure I was good. You know, drop what he was doing, you know, drop what he was doing, came down to Atlanta, flew down, spent the day and a half with me and flew back. You know, missed his own son's game, just the basketball game, just to, um, you know, come down here and be with me. And there's someone, he didn't go to UVA, but he's someone I met while I was in college through another friend. And so, yeah. um, and, you know, so stuff like that, man, you, you know, the people, and so, you know, those are guys that you meet in ahead. college. And they, you know, those are guys you meet in college and friends forever. Right, right. So you mentioned your surgery. So what kind of surgery? You just, you recently had surgery. It was hip replacement uh, from an old injury? Yeah, hip replacement. Um, just wear and tear, you know, over the years. Um, it's inevitable, man. I played 10 years and, um, you know, man, I've been very blessed, Sean. And, and I never had, a, I never had surgery until yesterday in 10 years. Are you serious? I never had any type of major surgery, scared to death, but cause I had never had major surgery before. That's nothing ever. Four years of high school, wow. four years of college, you know, a decade in the league and never had surgery until yesterday. 50, That's a blessing. A big time blessing. Missed one game due to injury in 13 years. Jump four in college and then nine in the league, 14 years. Wow. You know, I just took a lot of pride in being, being in shape. I took a lot of pride in um, training my body. Um, and I think once you do that, now don't get me wrong, some injuries are unavoidable. And, um, and sometimes guys are just injury prone, no matter what you do. But I just really made a conscious effort and decision. I was very intentional on just being in dynamic shape and physically ready to play and practice every year. Because that was something, was something I could control. You know, I, you know, even if you're not the fastest, the strongest, the biggest, most athletic, being in shape and working hard, that's between you and you, you know? And yeah. so there's no, there's no reason why you can't be. I just took a lot of pride in being in shape, you know, and really pushing my body to the limit. So back at UVA, when you hear the question, some of your fondest memories, what's one or two things that come up? Whether it's a game. I mean, honestly, the first thing was graduation. You know, graduating from UVA on time. Um, four years is a huge accomplishment. Probably more for my mom than it was for me. Um, what did you major in? Sociology. Okay. Yep. So, um, and then, you know, I played in a lot of, you know, played in some big games. We Clemson for the first time in school history in 1990. Um, spent three weeks on a team that was ranked number one in the country. Uh, went to three, you know, went to three bowl appearances. Now we didn't win any of them, but we went to the Sugar Bowl, went to the Gator Bowl, and went to the Citrus Bowl. Now, which is the um, Mazda? I don't know what that is now, but it's the one in Orlando. Um, but you know, just it's a, I think it's a tax slayer bowl now. But anyway, so just you know, playing a lot of bowl games and you know, being and making those friends I talked about. You know, um, UVA is a great place. Charlotte is an awesome town. Um, and just making those connections. So you mentioned 
how many years you played in the NFL. Before you got to the NFL, there was a draft day. How was draft day for you? Well, Sean, I knew I kind of had a feeling I knew where I was going to go. The, you know, the the Kuiper, you know, there wasn't, you know, of course, Mel Kuiper was still in the, in the game then, you know, and there wasn't a, you know, uh, McShay back then. Actually, McShay went to, as the University of Richmond around the same time I was at UVA. And um, so the word was, he's, I'm going to go between 19 and 31. So I, in the first round, well, either first, late for mid to late first or early second. Gotcha. So, yep. I, so I went 31 overall. Now today that would be first round, but that was right. the expansion teams of Jacksonville and Carolina. Now it's 32 teams. Gotcha. The first now. So I went late and I went early, like the second pick of the second round. And, um, and so I went kind of where I was, I knew I was going to go and not that little team I was going to do, but I kind of had a feeling I knew where I was. I've heard, I heard as high as 15. I heard as low as like 35 or 40. So I went kind of like right where I thought I was going to go. But it was cool. I was at so, home. Yeah, I was at home. I didn't, I didn't go to Northern, I didn't go to New York. You know, I didn't go to some special party. I was at home with my parents. And I got the call from Parcells, and that was it. Parcells. And so you got drafted to the uh, New England Patriots. Yep. And and and, and so 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 those are at home. So you, you had you had your mom and dad at home. You also, I assume you had your brother and sister at home as well, correct? I mean, yeah. I mean, Lily was probably shit. Lamar was at the time twelve, maybe. 11. And so, and so, and so, I bring that up because how you became like, my yeah, big brother is because Lamar is my brother. So Lamar and I were teammates at Pitt. We became friends to brothers, and and and, and, and then you adopted me as your little brother. And so, your time in New England. One of the things I remember is that. You would call, I feel like, every single morning, super early <laughs> on your way to practice. I'm like, man, why are you calling so early, man? The music jump, you hype ready to go. You're a morning person. So have you always been a morning person? Yeah, yeah. I'm a morning person. I like to get up early and get it done. And then, because I, I just, I, want, I like to get up and get it done. I always want to feel like I've accomplished something every day. And so, and that, and that goes back to my competitive drive. And so I want to get up, get it done. Now I may pass out around like 11 or 12 o'clock and crash and take a nap or something. But I'm just like, if I got something I want to get done, I just get up and do it. And and I was calling y'all, man, because y'all need to get up and go to class. That's why I was calling y'all. <laughs> Holding us accountable. Of course, making sure I won't sleep during the class. Class. Right, 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 right. right. Should be straight, yeah. And we both no got our degrees. We followed your lead, big bro. We no followed doubt. your lead. No doubt. Yep, you got it. You can't take it away. And so with New England, how was it living in Boston? Talk about the city of Boston. Um, you know, I, I, I really love Boston. Um, you know, I spent, a, I lived there, you know, played there for a long time, you know, a decade and lived there for 11 years. Um, I spent my whole, I spent the whole entire basic 90s and early 2000s in Boston. I grew up, I grew up in Boston, basically. Like when I left Virginia at 22, because I had only been in Virginia, you know, I lived in, obviously went to high school in Virginia, then went to UVA. I graduated. I got drafted in April, graduated in June, and I was in New England. Um, this is after, uh, I'm sorry, got drafted in April, graduated in May from UVA, and I was up at, in New England like by June 1. So um, so I grew up in New England. I mean, I was there from 22 to 32, you know, so that was like my time as a, I grew up. I mean, I was like in my young young adult, growing up as a man, um, but I, I really enjoyed the city. There's, a, there's no other sports town in America. Um, 
like New England, the media's hard on you. They're tough, uh, but they just like blue collar, come to work, roll your sleeves up type of guys, you know, and if you put your work in in Boston and you try hard and you don't complain and, you know, you don't talk about, you know, I'm just trying to feed my family, but you're making $5 million a year. I'm like, what, you know, kind of family, you know, so that kind of stuff, man, you know, and I get it, there's a market, but that kind of stuff will, people won't like you when you say that in New England, you know, and I've had some guys I play with will be like, man, I'm just trying to feed my family. And I know there's a market value, but you're making like $7 million a year. What do you, what do you have an army for a family? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. They just like people who just want to come to work. And that's why I think um, it was a good, perfect match for me because I, well, I love going to work. I love football and I just embrace the city. And I've met a lot of great people there and I'm still friends with, and I took a liking to the, to the place and they're just hardcore fans. So they like you, they like you forever. I can go there now and somebody might big time Patriots and they'll be like, oh, that's Slade, you know, whatever, um, good player. But they, they think you suck. You can show up 20 years from now. They're gonna remember you suck. Because they're gonna, they're gonna let you know. They're gonna yeah. tell their son, you, he sucked when he played. And so it's just like everybody, <laughs> This is how this is how they get down in Boston, but you always know where you stand. But they're fiercely loyal fans, um, and I ain't got no complaints about that organization. Kraft was great to me. Um, I had great coaches. Living in a good, great city. I, I I maximized my time in New England in terms of just seeing the whole met the whole region: Maine, Connecticut, Vermont, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, even down in New York. Like I. I got it done in, in Boston. I, I really, Cape Cod, Marcus Vineyard, um, you know, it was just, you name it. I got, I, I had an opportunity to do it. I definitely took advantage of it. Now, you don't have it now, but did you ever have the Boston accent or can you imitate the Boston accent? It's, it's like, it's so uh, legendary. Yeah, like Pocky Kai. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Pac, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I never I never got to Boston. That's pretty good. Park your car. <laughs> Park your car. But I used to, I mean, I used to give them a lot of time about it, the people there. Um, but no, I never, I, I wasn't there long enough. Wicked Pissa. I mean, they got their own little sayings and things that they say up there. Um, but no, they, yeah, it's different. It's different up there. It's people like, yeah. So different. You uh you play in the the biggest game you could play on the largest stage in the NFL, which is the Super Bowl. Talk to us about that experience. Who you all played against, the city that y'all played in, playing in the Super Bowl. Well, you know, uh, we played in the you know, nine in Super Bowl thirty one against the Packers. Um, we lost. Um, it was Brett Favre's first Super Bowl win, and it Sean, it was like a blur. I mean, the game went by so fast. Like, I really don't remember a lot of it. I actually had to be the fortunate. I was fortunate to be one of the captains for the game. So I got a chance to call. I called the coin toss, you know. Wow. And yeah, I called the coin toss in the game. It was uh, myself, Drew Bledsoe, and Ben Coates were the captains for the Patriots for us. And then it was Reggie White, Brett Favre, and I think Leroy Butler for the Packers. And so. Um, what city was the game held in? In New Orleans. New Orleans, okay. So I called I called the toss. I called tails. We lost the we lost the toss, and the rest was history, dog. Down, <laughs> down here, from there. <laughs> down here from there. and uh, it was you know it's crazy, man, because you know Luther Vandross sung the national anthem. You know he's, wow. he's obviously passed, and then um, James Brown was the was the halftime entertainer. You know, unfortunately, he's passed. What? Man. So it was like, look, I got a chance to play in the Super Bowl. And I get a chance to get a free concert. 
So I got a chance to see James Brown for free and watch Luther Vandross sing the national anthem and play in the Super Bowl. So it was a, in, in New Orleans. So it was a fun night for me to decide the fact that we lost. <laughs> wait, wait, how did you hear James Brown? They had a TV playing in the locker room? Well, no, but I, but I, but he went on for so long. By the time we got to the end of it, like we started walking, got the you. I got a chance to see the, it from the tunnel. I got a chance to see the end of it because you know halftime in the Super Bowls they so long. And guys, right, got right. We, I stood out by the tunnel and watched James Brown get down. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Get on the good foot. <laughs> and so you ended up playing what ten years in the league, correct? Yep. So you had nine with the Patriots, and you had one with the Carolina Panthers. I'll tell you this, though. I don't know if you know this, but you gave uh, Lamar, your younger brother, uh, a couple gloves when you were at the Panthers. He gave a pair to me. Man, I feel like I got about five picks that week, man. Practice, man. I should have kept, kept wearing those gloves, man. You had these Take nice white out. gloves you gave me. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to a lot of gear, man. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. 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 So, so, so talk your, about – Who's your boy Nick Goins there? Nick was there. Yeah, Nick was there. So former team in that pit. Yeah, he's yep. actually in the uh, Carolina area still. Still, yep. Nick Goins and Sean Gilbert. Um, when you're Another pit guy. Yep, 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 yep. Big gun, yep. So how was the transition from being a professional athlete to no longer an athlete? How was that transition for you? Um, for me, it wasn't that difficult. Um, I just got I, – I, you know, because I knew by the time I retired, it was I knew it was I was time for me to retire. I didn't have like a sudden injury, and it was a shock. Um, it was time for me to retire, and I knew my end was coming. So it wasn't a really difficult transition. Uh, I I do remember moving to Atlanta after I retired, and thinking about what am I going to do now? I mean, you know, you had time, you had money, you know, you live in Atlanta. Um, so I wasted a off lot. Off the Linux. Yeah, off the so Linux. It, so it, so it, if you know Atlanta, you know Buckhead Linux is the the hot street. So yeah, Linux. So I, had all, I had all that, you know, right in my fingertips, and I spent way too much money and wasted too much time on foolishness. So yeah. I just said, you know, I got to figure out, I got to do something. So that's when I got into the franchise business after my, I did one year of just a sabbatical of this. I'm going to take a gap year from the league and then I'm just going to have fun. I mean, that's what I did for the first year. Then I said, I got to do something, man. I'm spending way too much money up and down this, you know, Linux road every day. Yeah. Hey, I, 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 I um, Lily and I, Lamar and I benefited from that. I remember <laughs> coming to visit, um, like, I think maybe it was the summer and um, you would let us take the Range Rover around. So we yeah. were driving a Range Rover around Buckhead. You could tell us nothing. I'm like, I can't wait to get to the league. <laughs> I was like, man, like these yeah. are goals right here. Yeah, that's goals. What it, that's what it was, man. That's what it was. But you know that that life is great. You know when you're in it, but man, you look back and it's uh, you know, yeah, it's just you know, man. I told people it's just that was my season. You know, it, you know, it's just everybody got their different seasons, and that was my season then. But I, you know, I don't, I wouldn't trade you know, my kids and spending time with them over hanging out at Linux, you know, now that, you know, just the fruitful and the um, the pleasure you get, man, and, and the fulfillment you get from just being with your kids and hanging out and watching them grow is a whole lot better than, you know, walk around, walk around the mall all day and, and uh, chasing and looking at, you know, looking at, you know, looking at women in skirts and all. And that was fun too. Don't get me wrong. That was fun our day. But, you know, as you get older, man, you get to a different season in your life, you know, right. Um, but I don't have any regrets. You know, that was that was a good time for me at that, that time. So you got into French franchising, Smoothie King. You've done some on-air work, sideline work. But now you are a coach, a high school head football coach. So talk about coaching now. 
Well, Sean, I really enjoy it. Um, you know, but you don't really understand what it's like to be a head coach and you sit in that seat. You know, and when you're an assistant coach and when you're an outsider, you know, everybody, you can say a lot of things and you can do a lot of things, but until you sit in that seat, you don't really realize how it is to be a head coach and the responsibility and the hard decisions you got to make and the responsibility you have over so many young young men. I, I like it because um, I like to see the growth of the young men who come in as like ninth graders and see them graduate and go off to college uh, and just watching them mature. That to me is real fulfilling. And I like, I, I like, the, I like the, the, the game planning, the strategy every Friday night, the competitive, you know, the, the, the competition. Um, you know, if, if you like competition, you know, Friday night at seven o'clock is where it's at, you know, for me. And that's what I like about it. Um, and just, I'm in a, you know, I'm in a pretty good school. Um, you know, it has its challenges like everywhere else, but uh, I really enjoy, you know, coaching in high school. Um, I, I really enjoy the kids making a difference. And, you know, like I said, when you get them at 14 and then you look up and now, you know, a couple of guys are coaching the NFL and a lot of them in college. And uh, you look back and you say, man, I remember when that kid was, you know, eighth grade, seventh grade, you know, they're grown men. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it happens quick. So you're coaching at Pace Academy, which is a private school in a suburb of uh, of Atlanta, the Smyrna area. How was it coaching your? Oh, it's Buckhead. Buckhead, yeah. So Buckhead, yeah. Buckhead. And so, how was it coaching this year during the pandemic? I know it had to be challenging. Very difficult. I mean, because you, I mean, literally, Sean, it was like day to day. You know, getting tested. If this guy's positive, then you got to shut everything down. If that guy's positive, you got, you know, if this guy's positive, you got contact trace. If he's an offensive lineman, so now the whole entire offensive line has to, you know, quarantine. It was just, um, you know, it was a, it was a difficult time for us. But everybody went through it. If you play football this fall, which you know in Georgia they weren't going to not play, you know, um, but everybody, you know, a lot of people, everybody dealt with it. So it just wasn't us. Everybody got affected by it in Georgia. You know, and obviously some states didn't play at all yet. So we were just fortunate to, to play. I'm glad we did. We had some schools only played five games. Some schools played 10 regular season games. It just all depends on how to, how the cookie crumble. We had to pull out in two games because we had a couple positive cases. Uh, but you just, you know, you just deal with it. You make the best of it and you just try to get through. Uh, but it was challenging. It was real challenging. But like I told people in Georgia, Sean, it was not an option. They were going to play high school. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even – like, they never even talked about canceling. We'll push it back. That's the only way to cancel football in Georgia, dude. That would be an earthquake. And then they'd be like, when, when can we play? You know, that was, never even, that was never even a consideration. Even if Georgia had to play Auburn six times this year, they were going to play football. They were going to play. They were going to figure gotcha. out a way to play. Yeah, no doubt about it. Especially in the SEC. Yeah. You won – you led your team, coached your team to a, uh, a championship a few years back. Talk about that championship season. Well, Sean, we had a lot of dudes on that team. You know, a lot of, you know, from that team of 48 kids, we had probably 32 went on to play college football. You know, we just had a wow. team about, yeah, and two of them in the, in the National Football League now. So, um, you know, man, we just, you know, in high school, you know, if, you got to have linemen like any other level. You know, we had really good linemen. All five of our linemen were went D one offensive linemen. Um, you know, we had a running back that went to he went to Duke. 
you know, Deion Jackson. Then, you know, we had another guy went to Miami. Um, so another running back. So we had, we were stacked, you know, and the guys has really bought into what we were trying to get accomplished and what we wanted to do. And you know how it goes, Sean, it goes in ebb and flow, you know, you know, since then, you know, we hadn't got, gotten back. We've had some pretty good teams, but you know, a lot of times coaches are coach for 20, 30 years and never won the title. I Man, I was fortunate to win one in my third year, but we had some dudes now on that team. I mean, yeah, we had, we had some dudes. Yeah. They could play. Yeah. So you work with young people and as you know, with orange arrow, our mission is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field, off the track, out of the pool, wherever the playing arena may be. Chris, why is it important for a student athlete to be successful outside of their sport? Because you just never know when, when it's going to come to an end. You're one play away, um, literally. And if you're not prepared and you don't have a plan, then do what do you do? Um, you know, I always told people all the time, I told some of these young guys, I said, man, don't go to college for four years and don't get a degree. I said, you know, don't go, you, you, you basically, and I hate this, I don't wanna be so transparent, and so crass, man, but to me, it's like modern day slavery. You know, you go to, you know, and I, and I mean, people might not like that comment and they might not agree and they might be offended, but I mean, you go to school for four years, you don't graduate and that school has used you every Saturday or two nights a week if you're playing basketball and you don't get a degree out of it. They made a ton of money off of you and you don't take advantage of your resources, don't get a degree. And so I'm always like, get your degree, have a backup, have a plan, uh, because this thing don't last forever. Bill Parcells used to always say, it's like a circus. It's only in town for a little while, you know? Mm. And so, yeah. And so um, you better find Jack, you know, um, find your clown, whatever the case might be. And, and figure it out. Yeah. Big bro, time is our most valuable asset. Thank you for sharing your time and wisdom with us, especially a day after surgery, man. I really appreciate you, man. Tell the beautiful family I said hello. Love you, big bro. Looking forward you to catch up, catching up with you in the near future. Hey, man, my 50th is the end of this month, so make sure you send me something nice. I'll see my address. Say less. I already got it. It's in, it I go. got you. There you go, man. Right, five old dog. I'm getting up there. Get, I'm getting this hit right for this book. Y'all be 50, dog. 50 piece. Half a hundred. 50 cent. Let's go, man. Wow. I'm trying you to get, look, you know. I'm a, look, I'm going to get right for this dude, man. See, he's he talking a lot of trash. I'm going I'm to teach him. I'm going to oh, get an old man's strength. <laughs> <laughs> Got right, that. Man. Appreciate you, bro. All right, baby. No doubt.